It's good to be here with you guys. Uh, it is always, uh, I'm glad Janina got up here first because it's always so hard to, to follow the kids. So uh, they did such an incredible job and uh, I know that they've been practicing that for a little over a month and uh, I just love getting to see them sing and dance and um, if you guys do a good job today, maybe I'll do a dance at the end of service. So I was kidding. Uh, I guess I just have to define what a good job is. Just sit there nicely. No, I was kidding. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here, um, if we haven't met yet. And we've been in this series called Love Where You Live. We've been asking these questions. What does it look like to love the community that we live in, the, the city that we live in, and, and maybe even literally love our neighbors, you know, the people that actually live around us, um, the ones that mow their lawn too early and have the noisy car and the dog that barks and, and cook the weird-smelling food and all those types of things, uh, as well as the ones that we really enjoy hanging out with and spending time with. And, and so we're wrapping that series up today with Palm Sunday, um, and, um, you know, there's I've been in Orange County for, it'll be eight years, I think, this summer uh, when I moved to Orange County. And uh, we moved here to Costa Mesa. I grew up in North Carolina, uh, and I lived in Corona for a little while after that. And so I'm very cultured. Uh, and, uh, and I remember when I first moved here, uh, there was, I started hearing about this thing um, that I'd never heard about before, and I was unsure of what it was. And I started hearing people talk about Lululemon. Uh, have you guys heard of this thing? Uh, it's not just a fruit, uh, which is what I assumed. It's like a fancy uh, type of lemon, you know, you buy a Whole Foods or something like that, which we also didn't have Whole Foods in North Carolina. Uh, and so, uh, and so I, I started hearing about this, and people, you know, it's like, oh, it's yoga pants. And, and then I'm here, and all of a sudden I realized, like, well, people don't just wear yoga pants when they go to yoga. People just wear yoga. Like, that's just what we do because we want to feel comfortable all the time now, you know, and stretchy pants are the best way to do that. Uh, and so I started hearing about this, and it was probably maybe a year or so in um, when my wife was like, you know what, I think I want a pair of Lululemons. I'm like, all right, I'll buy you a pair of Lululemons. And so her birthday was coming up, and I went to the Lululemon store, and they're very expensive, it comes out. It's like, you know, you, you assume stretchy pants, like there's not that much material they put into them, it can't be that much, but they were not cheap pants. And, and so we had just moved to Orange County. Uh, at the time, we had been living actually in the Midwest, in, in Des Moines, Iowa. And, um, and so moving here, it was just like readjusting our whole like brain about what things cost to live in Orange County, what rent costs in Orange County, what stretchy pants costs. You know, in Des Moines, Iowa, if you want stretchy pants, you go to Walmart and and you get a pair of sweatpants. Uh, it was a little bit different here. And so we go, and, and I get these pants for her and, and give them to her. She loves them. She wears them all the time. And I'm just like, I can never really get over it. It's like, that, that was the most expensive gift I've ever bought you. That cost as much as your engagement ring. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there was a, it was just this thing where I was like, I can't believe how much that costs. And I'd always give her a hard time for it. She's like, they're just so comfortable, though. And, and tell me about how much she loved them. And, and so it probably went on for maybe six months, maybe a year. And then we were shopping one day, and she wanted to go into the store. And so we went into Lulu. Lemon. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on a pair of these pants just to show her how they're not worth, not the stretchy pants, you guys. Get your minds out of the gutter. Uh, they have regular pants also. And uh, here's what the, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, tear away jeans. Gosh, I should have done that. That would have been great. Uh, no, but um, so I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to prove how ridiculous this is. I'm going to put on a pair of these pants. It's like $125 for these Lululemon pants. And, I'm, and so I put them on and I come out of the, the changing room. and I'm just like, these are pretty nice. 
I'm not going to lie. And, uh, and then it was a slippery slope after that. But have you guys ever had that experience where like, you were so skeptical of something, or you thought something was so ridiculous or overhyped, and then you actually went and you had it. You tried it, you ate at that restaurant, or you saw the movie or, or the Netflix special or whatever it might be, and it was something that maybe beforehand you're like, it can't be that good, uh, or you, know, you just kind of had this skeptical perspective of it. But then once you take the step and you try it, all of a sudden you, you start to ask yourself, man, did I, how, what other things have I been wrong about? Uh, what other things have I made judgments on? What other types of stretchy pants are out there in the world that I just, I need to open my mind to? What, what else is there that I could be a part of? I think we all have these different types of experiences. And, and some of you guys maybe uh, have been skeptical or struggled with things and, and you've kind of gotten to a place where maybe even right now um, there is this sense of like, yeah, I'm, I'm in church. That was one of those things that I said I would never do. That is one of those things that I thought would be crazy. That's one of those things that, you know, years ago I would have been like, you couldn't pay me enough. I would wear stretchy pants before I went to church. Uh, there's this reality for many of us where we step into these things that we've, we've promised we wouldn't do before and we start to realize maybe I didn't get the whole story. Maybe there's something more to this. And I think that for many of us that are here, um, you guys were all invited in some way uh, by some person. Uh, maybe somebody gave you a flyer, maybe somebody posted something on social media or whatever it is. And, and so you, you found yourself here based off some sort of invitation, um, but uh, we can become nervous, I guess I'll say, to extend invitations to others. It, it can seem scary to invite people. And so I just want to say kind of give you the spoiler of the ending of the message today, this, this whole topic is about what does it look like for us to be honest about our faith um, and to invite people to experience what we've seen. That's what we're talking about, the whole thing today. So we could just pray, but I'm going to talk for another hour and a half, and then we'll pray. No, I was kidding. Uh, but this, this whole thing today is really on this idea of what does it look like for us to share what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've felt. Uh, nothing more and nothing less. You don't have to be able to preach a sermon at the end of today. You don't have to be able to quote scriptures or know the entire you know, order of the books of the Bible. You don't have to do anything that way, but it's just about being honest about, hey, here's what I've seen and here's what I've heard and here's what I've felt being a part of this. And so this is our goal for today. And Palm Sunday, is, it's an interesting story, this, this passage in John 12, because there's a lot going on. I read a little bit of it earlier. I'm gonna read a little bit more. Um, but really, this, this idea is about people talking about what they've heard. And so I wanna read from John chapter 12, uh, verse 12 again. It says, the next day, which we'll talk about what happened the day before in a minute. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And again, this idea of Hosanna, this word, the, the definition of this word is God save us. And so people are shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel, save us, be with us. And this festival that they were celebrating, it says that you know, everybody had come for the festival was the festival of Passover. Uh, you guys may have heard this phrase before, but this was a, a festival, this was a feast that the Jewish people would celebrate every single year. And this festival was to, to commemorate when Israel had been freed from slavery from Egypt. Have you guys ever seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? 
that story. Uh, when they are freed from slavery, they're led out of oppression into freedom. And so they would ha- every single year they would have this festival to celebrate the freedom that they had from oppression. And it wasn't just to remember the freedom that they had in the past because the Jewish people found themselves again being oppressed by Rome and, and there was people that were causing them to do things and, and kind of keeping them... Uh, um, captivity of sorts, uh, and so they were trying, this, this festival was not only a celebration of the freedom that they had, but it was a, a hope and a prayer for a coming freedom, and they talked about a Messiah that they thought would come and defeat the military giants and the oppression that they had experienced in their lives. And so there's festivals that, it's festival, there's huge crowds, it's not only just the Jewish people in Jerusalem, but this is one of the festivals that all the Jewish people that had moved all over the land would all come back to Jerusalem. So it's kind of just max capacity. The city is overflowing with people. They're celebrating this festival, and they hear that Jesus is coming. All these people are already in the city, but for some reason it says there's a huge crowd that starts to gather, trying to get a glimpse of this man, Jesus. Why is it? Uh, well, the day before, as we read in the, the first verse of uh, verse 12, it says, the next day a great crowd had come. So the day before, what had happened was this little thing that you guys may have heard of where Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. The day before, Jesus had raised a dead man up. He had been dead for a couple days, the story says, and Jesus brought him back to life. And so you can imagine the next day there would be people that are like, hey, I heard about this thing. I heard a story that somebody was raised to life yesterday. And all of a sudden, all of these crowds that are already in this city, they start trying to gather around Jesus. In verse 17, it says, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. They continued to tell other people what had happened. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. Essentially, people had seen Jesus do something incredibly miraculous. They had seen Jesus raise this person from the dead. They had seen this massive miracle happen, and they started telling people about it. It doesn't say that all of the people that saw it believed exactly the right things or exactly who Jesus was. Not all of them necessarily said, well, he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Not all of them understood all the questions, but they saw something that was crazy enough that they wanted to tell people about it. And I think that we understand this because if we see a really bad movie, we still tell people about it, right? It's like we tell people when we see a good movie and then we also, it's like, yeah, I saw this movie. It was terrible. Don't see it. You know, and, and we're still telling them. So you don't have to be a fan of something to talk about it and to tell people. And so you have this massive crowd of people. Many of them believed him. Many of them were his followers. And then many of them were just telling people what they had seen and what they had heard. It was this crazy thing. I don't know if he really is a son of God. I don't know if he really is a Messiah, but I heard that he raised this guy up for the dead. That's the guy. He's over there. We can talk to him. He's walking now, and he was not a couple days before that. So there's this crazy story, and, and I think for many people, as we talk about this idea of, of people sharing what they had seen, it's like, well, of course they told people what they saw. A man was raised from the dead. If Chris you could raise someone from the dead on a Sunday morning, then I would invite my friends to church. Uh, probably not. You'd probably be a little bit terrified, right? Um, but, but there's a sense that we have, like, of course, that's a crazy thing. He, he raised somebody from the dead. Of course people are going to talk about that. 
I think that we have to ask ourselves, have we seen transformation like that in our own lives or in the lives of other people? Have we seen miracles happen and not in like a touched by an angel type of TV show type of miracle thing, but have we seen powerful transformation? Have we seen change that is kind of surprising happen? Over the last few months, I've actually been able to collect some stories from people that are part of our church. And it's been interesting as I've been reading through these and um, just to remind myself of what God's doing here and, and what all is happening. And it kind of blows me away because we start to read through these stories. I'll read some of these. You have to be a little bit patient with me, but um, these people talk about what God has done because of the church community or how he's shown up in their lives. Uh, I found a genuine and authentic community in the church. I am a better wife. My kids have a place to learn about God's love. I've drawn closer to God through worship. I've found Jesus and I was baptized. My family and I all go to church together again and there's been healing and a fresh start. I've learned that God is trustworthy and I want to trust him more. I've started the healing process and reacquainting myself with church after a painful experience. I found friendship. I've experienced the most accepting community. I've found peace. I've found the real me, and even though I'm not perfect, I'm loved the way I am. I feel welcome. I found my home. Our family is closer than ever. I've been able to move closer towards financial freedom I've refound my faith in the Lord. I've strengthened my marriage. After th- over 30 years of not following God, uh, th- this couple began following Jesus. Free from the bondage of drugs and spiritual death. So these are stories of people that are in our church. And so I have to ask the question, when we talk about miracles and we talk about things that are worth talking about, um, these are incredible things. What people have experienced, uh, healthier marriages, they're spending time with their family again, they found trust in God, they found purpose, they found freedom from addictions and from habits, they they feel forgiven, they don't have to carry this shame around. These things that we've seen, uh, we've heard in these stories, these are incredible things, and yes, they are not stories about people that are being raised from the dead, but I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I know more people that are looking for these things than are looking for a resurrection. I know more people that are looking for a healthy marriage or a healed marriage than they are for a resurrection. I know more people that are looking for hope or for forgiveness to to be able to let go of the shame that they've carried in their life than I do that are looking for a resurrection. I know more people that are looking for community and friendship and a place where they can be accepted exactly as they are with all of their bumps and bruises and their strengths and their weaknesses. I know more people that are looking for that kind of place than are just looking for a resurrection. This is powerful. This is crazy. This has like this amazing awe factor. But for us to say, now that is something worth talking about, this not so much. We know intuitively that this is worth talking about. These stories are unreal, and there's more. I had to whittle it down of a list of about 75 or 80 different stories of what people have experienced here because of who God is. So we have this this peace 
where we, we struggle to share, we struggle to tell, we struggle, we get nervous about, about talking about some of these things because, uh, and I, I feel this maybe even more so than many of you guys. A lot of you guys might assume that because I'm the pastor and I stand on a stage and I preach sermons that I feel just super comfortable all the time talking about Jesus and inviting people to church. But by nature, I, I always want people to like me and so I struggle just like many of you do that when I invite people, I, I'm worried that they will stop liking me because I invited them to church, which sounds silly to say. But I worry about these things. And I think some of you might too. I, I worry that people will put me in this category of like, oh, I've met Christians before and if he's one of them, then I don't know if I wanna be close with them. I worry that people will assume that I'm judgmental or that I will look at them differently or they will look at me differently or, or they will wanna hang out. I've literally had people that have changed the way that they talk to me in the moment after they found out that I was a pastor. They talk to me differently and it's like, man, why? I don't want that. And so I feel like I struggle with this reality of I want to invite people in, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want to impose. I don't want to make them feel awkward. I don't want them to view me differently. But I cannot fight the feeling that people are looking for hope and a healed marriage and restored families and freedom from addiction and a place where they can belong and feel accepted and feel like they're at home and it's, it's comfortable for them. We all have to come to grips with the reality that these things are miracles and they're powerful and they're worth te telling people about just as much as someone being raised from the dead. In the same way that the people in this story felt like they owed it to people around them to pass on what they'd seen, they heard. They, they saw, they heard about Jesus doing this incredible thing and they felt like they owed it to others to tell them. I think that you and I owe it to the people that we know to pass on what we've seen and what we've heard. I think that there's a piece of us that we kind of have to come to grips with this reality of, I know people that are looking for what I've found. that if you didn't get us, a, a spectrum here, because some of us are here because we grew up in a home that if you didn't get up and comb your hair the right way and put on the right clothes and get your butt to church, then there would be consequences. And some of us are just here because the coffee and donuts are good and we get an hour of childcare. Uh, and there's a spectrum of people in between and we are all welcome and we all enjoy those things. There's a whole spectrum in between it. And so, but each one of us comes here for a reason. Each one of us continues to show up for some reason. There's something about this that continues to draw us in, that, that continues to make us feel like, you know what? I should carve an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes out of my weekend, uh, which is never quite long enough in the first place, sit in plastic folding chairs in a junior high cafeteria, which is some of my most terrible memories of life, because I don't like what's happening. No, there's, there's a thing happening here. There's something that we experience here and we owe it to other people, the people that we know and we love and we care about to tell them what we've seen and what we've heard. Not to preach powerful sermons to them, not to explain the whole eschatological prim principles of the end times or, or any of this kind of stuff, but just to say, you know what? I think I'm a better person since I've been going. I've seen my marriage is better. I actually spend time with my kids on a Sunday afternoon. We make crafts on the patio and throw a football or the, the music. I think about those songs during the week. They pop into my mind and it kind of helps me. My life is a little bit chaotic, but I feel more peace than I should with how crazy things are. These are things that people are looking for. And what does it look like for us to tell them? And I know that 
Some of us, we, we worry that people don't want to hear our Jesus stories or hear us get all preachy, but I think that there's a difference between inspiring people with our story and judgmentally threatening people <laughs> with our story. The, the people in this, in this story with Jesus on Palm Sunday, uh, you know, they, they walked around, and I would assume they walked around telling people, man, you won't believe what happened. I don't even know if I can believe what happened. But there was a guy, and he was dead, and then he raised back to life. And the guy that did that is going to be in Jerusalem tomorrow. I don't know. We should probably go see. That's a crazy, that's a, it, it's inspiring them. None of them walked around and be like, hey, there's a Jesus parade tomorrow, and if you don't go, you're going to go to hell. Like, none of them took that approach. But some of us have taken that approach before. Some of us have been like, you know what, your life's a mess, and if you don't figure it out, flames. Uh, there's, this, there's this reality of like, man, our job, and Jesus says this, and even Jesus says his job is not to judge. His job is to come and to, it's not to condemn, but it's actually to, to show love and to welcome in and extend this idea of grace. And our job is just to say, hey, here's what I've felt. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what I've heard. And you should come sometime. This is the responsibility. It's not to tell them whether or not they're doing a good enough job or they've got it figured out. It's to say, hey, come see experience what I've experienced. We owe it to these people to do this. The inspirational approach proves to be wildly effective because we investigate things that inspire us. We look into things that move us. You guys have probably seen or maybe one of your friends has lost weight. You'd be like, how did you lose that weight? Tell me more. Please tell me that it was a simple thing to do. We're all still crossing our fingers, right? Like maybe you hacked the system and there's like a subscription that you pay or stretchy pants. Is it the stretchy pants? Is that what? We've all seen people that have posted pictures on their vacations and be like, where is that? I want to go on that vacation. I want what they had. We've seen people post, you know, meals or restaurants or things like that. It's like, man, it is in a beach called The Ranch. And we had heard about it, and it's kind of tucked away in the canyon. And you go in there, and it's, it feels like you're in the mountains, and it's beautiful, and everything is green, and it was amazing. We were just down there for a couple hours sitting on the patio, and there's like a bocce ball court out there, and I love bocce ball. It was everything I love in life. Um, and, uh, and so we're out there hanging out, and I post a picture, but I didn't put the location on, the, you know, on Instagram. You can tag where you're at. Don't leave me hanging. You guys use Instagram. I know you do. I didn't put the location on it. So I got comments, I got text messages. Everybody's like, where is this? Where are you? It was this, this photo was inspiring people to reach out and be like, I want that. I want to be where you are. I want to, it's like, obviously people always want to be where I am. You know, there's this, no, there's this reality where it's like, it's inspiring people. It's moving people to want to do something different because it's, it's inspired them. It's, it's triggered something in them. And when we share these stories of what we've seen happen in our lives, when we tell people just the simple realities of, man, I just feel accepted when I'm there, or I just feel like I can navigate my week a little bit better, or I've had a massive change in my life. My marriage is better, and I've beaten an addiction. And whatever these things might be, when we tell these things, it inspires people to want to see, to want to come and hear. It causes people to think that maybe what worked for you could work for me too. Maybe this thing that you've experienced, maybe I can have some of that also. Personal stories open people to new possibilities. 
And this is why we always talk about the importance of, of you guys inviting and sharing and telling your stories because people care what you have to say. Your friends don't care what I have to say. Even coming here on a Sunday morning, one of the things that people talk about most often is not the sermon. It's you guys. It's we felt welcome and, and we felt comfortable and we felt at home and there's this sense of what we bring together. There's this sense when you invite people to come and see what's happening here, they experience something different. And many of us are uh, introverts and I won't ask you to raise your hand. Um, some of us are extroverts. Any extroverts in the room? Really? A whole service of extroverts? All right, there's one, one in the back. Uh, there's this reality for us that some of us, we don't necessarily know how to do it. We don't know what to do. And I just want to give very practical steps because this is what Janina talked about earlier on. We have this coming Sunday is Easter. And statistically speaking, Easter is one of those Sundays. Easter and Christmas are one of those Sundays that uh, people are willing to go to church that would never step foot in a church any other time. There's something about it, whether it's the way that they grew up or it's just kind of culturally what's going on. But there's just a willingness. And we want people to come and experience a place where they can feel comfortable, where they can feel like they belong, where they can feel like they can be themselves and be honest about what they're dealing with and what their hopes are and their kids have a great time. And we want people to experience that. And we've got these invitations. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about three basic ways to invite people just to make it as simple as possible. Uh, the first one is to build in a buffer. Like I said, some of us are introverts, and we don't want to have to actually talk to anybody. Uh, and so you can take an invitation, and you can literally just tear this off, and you can leave it on their desk and just run away. That's not weird at all. No. Uh, build in a buffer. There's invitations. Some of you guys have gotten free T-shirts from here. Uh, some of you guys know that there's going to be egg hunts. And who doesn't want to look for eggs and eat chocolate and jelly beans on Easter? I mean, there's, there's all these little buffers, and the kids are going to love it. And you know that you might not like church, but we're going to have an Easter egg hunt after service, and the kids are going to love it. And you actually, there's like a $100 gift certificate that you could win in the adult egg hunt, by the way. That's what we're going to do. I just said it. Take note. Uh, there's these things that, that, you know, they're buffers. It's like, I know you might not be all in, but there's something here that you like, right? You can build in a buffer. Um, some of you guys have posted things online, uh, reposted pictures of your notes or uh, shared a location, and people have come to our church because of those things. It's a, it's a way to build in a buffer. The second thing is to bring them with you. Don't just invite them. Uh, but actually say, hey, will you come with me? Can I pick you up? Let's meet somewhere. Uh, bring them with you. Come with me is more powerful than you should go see. There's this, there's this invitation piece of saying, let's go together. Let me, let me pick you up. We'll, we'll ride together. We'll sit together. You won't be left on your own with all those weird Christian people at that church. Like, I'll protect you. I'll make sure you don't get attacked. Uh, whatever the fears are, the sense of come, come hang out with me. And then the third one, and this is always my favorite, is to bribe when necessary. And we laugh, but we bribe people all the time. We are always wheeling and dealing to get people to do the things that we want them to do, especially if you're a parent. Uh, but even with our adult friends, there's a sense of uh, we have to talk them into doing certain things. And so what is it? It's okay to bribe someone when they know that they're being bribed. And it's a great way to get people to try things. You know what? If you come to church with me, I will share my Netflix password with you. 
If you don't, I'm going to reset all the devices and you know you're going to be out of luck. If you come to church with me, I'll go see that concert that you want me to go to and I hate that band because it's country music and that's just the reality. I don't know. If you come to church with me, then I will take you to lunch afterwards. There's this, there's this piece of bribing, of bartering, of having a conversation because you have the relationship to be able to do that. You have a friendship. It's a coworker. It's a neighbor. And it's someone that you can say, you know, I've experienced some really some things I, I think are important. And I would love for you to come. It's going to be a lot of fun. There will be a ton of people there. There's a lot going on. And I'll take you to lunch afterwards. That's going to steal the deal, I promise. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hang out with you. I'll, I'll, whatever we need to do, let's, let's figure out how to make this work. But there's this, just this simple reality, and I think that what I want to try and do for us and what I've been trying to do is just trying to demystify the process and trying to take out the fears of having to know the right thing to say and the right thing to do and, and have it all figured out and be the perfect person before you invite someone because there is a sense of fear of like, man, my friends, they know all of my secrets, and I can't invite them to church. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to laugh in my face. My friends, they know what's going on in my life, and they'll think I'm a hypocrite or whatever it is. But it's just, I've found something here that's valuable. And it's not because of this building or because of any of this stuff. It's because of God's love for us. There's a quote by Eugene Peterson. He said, uh, grace cannot be experienced privately, cut off from others, and hope cannot endure in solitude separated from others. And I think that for many of us, we intuitively know that this is true. We can't experience grace if we're by, by ourselves. We have to be around other people to experience grace. And, and for many of us, we, we know that we need to experience grace. We know that we need that. And, and there's a part of community that comes with that. But the reality is, is that hope, which all of us are looking for, and which we're actually going in next week, we're starting a new series called Hope Rises, the whole thing it's about how to hold on to hope in the midst of some of the most painful and difficult moments of life. For, but it can't be some, uh, endured in solitude. We have to be with other people to be able to experience hope. And so one of the things that gives me freedom, and I'm going to, again, when we started this church, uh, this campus is a little over two years ago. And I've told some of these stories before, and we show up on the first Sunday, and we're like, I hope somebody shows up besides me. Uh, and people did show up, and it was great, and it's been amazing the last two years. But there was this fear that I had that somehow the success of what happened here, whether it grows, whether it's healthy, or whatever it is, was based on what I did as a pastor, based on the, how good I preached, based on the power of my words or, or whatever it was. And I had to realize that it's not based on any of my own strengths. It's based on what God is doing. This is what the people did. They invited, hey, come and see. And this is what we've been trying to do since the beginning. Just come and see. And there's a reality that I, I've had to learn and I've had to hold on to and I want us all to hold on to is that it's God's job to show people that he is real and it's our job just to tell him where we found him, to tell people where we found him. It's, it's God's job to prove himself, to, to show his love, to, to help people feel accepted, and to help people know that they're forgiven, and to, and to see change happen in their lives. I, I can't force change, and you can't force change in other people's lives. That's up to God. It's, it's our role, and it's our responsibility. What we get to be a part of is just to point people in the right direction. Of Here's where I've experienced this. That's what the people on Palm Sunday did with their invitations. That's what we get to do as we're coming into Easter, as we think about Palm Sunday today. And the reality is, 
And what I want us to just constantly point ourselves back to is that there is people um, at home, maybe sleeping in, which some of us would love to sleep in. Maybe they're already at brunch, uh, which some of us are going to brunch after this. There's people that are longing for these things, for these stories. They're longing for their marriage to be changed, to spend time with their family. They're longing for hope, for freedom from addiction or from struggling with despair or shame. They're looking for forgiveness or for love or community or just a friend, someone to talk to. And we get to invite them into that. God could have done things a million different ways. He could have had Jesus show up and over like a heavenly loudspeaker just made an announcement and said, hey, salvation is here. But he chose to work through people sharing and telling and spreading this message that they are included. And he still chooses to work through us. And so the, the invitation, the challenge for us today that I want to leave you guys with is to invite someone who believes in you to come and see. Invite someone that believes in you. They may not believe in Jesus. They might think this whole church thing is a sham. They might have skeptical understanding of faith or spirituality or whatever it is, but they believe in you. They have a friendship. They have a relationship with you. So invite someone that believes in you to come and see what you've experienced. This is, this is the invitation. This is what happens as we go into Easter. This is what happens when, when we see something in our lives that is so powerful that is so good, that we're so grateful for, that we can't help but tell other people about it. And not to shame them or guilt them about their life, but just to say, this is what I've experienced. And so if you who are sitting in these seats on Sundays and you come back and there's something here for you that you feel like, man, there's something about this place, there's something that goes on here that I'm grateful for, I want you to feel the freedom together, the ability of inviting other people to experience that as well.